Welcome to the Dharma Spring. When I look deeply into the real form of the universe, everything reveals the mysterious truth of the Tathagata. This truth never fails. In every moment and every place, things can't help but shine with this light. So as um, I trust many of you know, and as I shared in the email yesterday evening, um, <clears throat> yesterday morning, woke to the news of another mass shooting in our country and right here in this city, in Colorado Springs at a Club Q, a nightclub, safe haven, really, for the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, hearing that somebody, a gunman came and opened fire, five people were killed, and now the latest I heard was 25 wounded. And yeah, what a what a what a thing to wake to. Yeah, um, just knocked me down. <clears throat> and you know, beyond comprehension, not getting my head around it, looking and trying to get information and trying to understand, but still just you know to no avail, really. And still needing to go go about my day, you know, beginning with not being able to just hang out and do nothing for a while, which would have been, I guess, just as welcome as anything else, but maybe preferred just to be able to absorb and be devastated and not move, yeah, as much. But needed to head across town, take care of my dad as I do every day. Um, that didn't disrupt <clears throat> being with the news, being with the situation, just still there and it, like coloring everything I'm going through, just feeling it rolling down the interstate and turning this way and that, just being with this is, this has happened, this is happening, it's here. Kind of that, um, kind of an, a numbing feeling, but not numb to it kind of numb because of it. <laughs> it's like maybe feeling so much that it's too much to feel and things just kind of go flat. In the feeling realm and the thinking realm, just I can't understand this, why and how and all that, just not really entertaining those thoughts, just being in that place of uh, rolling down the interstate, this way and that, taking care of my dad. and that part of me trying to get some kind of grip, some kind of ground beneath me. So then, <clears throat> as happens in all sorts of conditions, phrases and offerings from our tradition come to mind. And, um, 
one of which was from Torre. I think the first actually that showed up was, um, actually I'm sure the first that showed up was from uh, Shito. We and the things we perceive are interwoven and not interwoven. And this interweaving goes on and on while each thing stands in its own place. And that was you know, the feeling of the interweaving and the connection and all of that. Though it didn't affect me directly, I wasn't there standing in my own place, others in their own place, the interweaving was there. So I could feel that certainly. And then next came Tori's thing about this truth never fails. Looking deeply into the real form of the universe, everything reveals the mysterious truth of the Tathagata. And I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Why are you coming to mind in a situation like this? I was kind of like, what? And additional ones of that same kind of flavor came. <clears throat> um, like Mazda's, throughout all the eons of time, no being has ever fallen out of the deep meditation of the universe. And again, I was like, what? Why are you coming here at this time in a place like this? This isn't the time or place for such a statement. <laughs> And then later on, it was uh, Hakuen's, all beings are Buddha by nature, just as water and ice are the same. And another, come on, <laughs> what is my mind doing? What's happening here? Why are these coming forth? Because they didn't feel right <clears throat> in the situation. Um, on one level, and I'm aware that this wasn't the case, but <clears throat> they could come across as just platitudes, things we say to try to make ourselves feel better or offer to others to make them feel better that are really just empty comfort, right? But in this experience of this tradition for these past many years, I know full well that's not what this tradition offers. It actually wants to take away such things um, deconstruct such things and get us more intimately in touch with what's happening. So I knew that's not what was happening, but I wondered what my mind was doing. Why were these things coming forth? Was I reaching for them or were they coming on their own? And like I mentioned in the email, under pleasant conditions and bright conditions, hearing these phrases, it's like, ah, right? And I thought, <clears throat> is there a part of me trying to offer comfort and connect me with that ah that I know in other conditions just to balance out the oh and the, the hurt and the devastation? That didn't seem quite right either, but a possibility that's more realistic than a platitude, right? But it felt like if that's what my mind's doing, it's trying to put a layer on things, trying to soften them, maybe even distract me from feeling and going through what I was going through so deeply, feeling that so deeply. 
that didn't seem right either. It's like, I don't think that's what my mind would want to do. Again, the experience of this practice shows me that, well, my mind might, might want to do that. But having done this practice for so long, I think it built up a resistance to such things. <laughs> if that's what's trying to be offered to myself, myself resists such because it doesn't want to have things glossed over and softened and minimized. <clears throat> kind of in the, the place of, that you may recognize wanting to feel things more deeply or not wanting to not feel things more deeply tends to be the arc that one travels in this practice. So I was like, well, that's not what, I don't, I don't think that's what this is. Yet they were still there, these phrases. And then particularly this one, when I look deeply into the real form of the universe, everything reveals the mysterious truth of the Tathagata. This truth never fails. In every moment, in every place, things can't help but shine with this light. Even this was the invitation and the offering. and Didn't make sense still. So I hung out with it and just noticed what I noticed. Um, part of me wondering, is this one of those just fake it till you make it phrases? Keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it until you believe it, like knee jerk believing it. It's like, no, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> So I just kept making my way through my day, letting this phrase be there with me and work on me and work on all these things and undo them and see what was being offered, see what there was to discover. And then a shifting of my relationship and understanding and experience of this phrase began to happen. One of those things that I'm grateful for, again, with this practice is no matter how long I practice it, and you know, this particular phrase has been part of our sutra service for the, the decades I've been a part of this community, this tradition, and I've had a relationship with it, but it never just becomes a static fixed thing. There's always an opportunity to see it differently, to experience it differently. And that never ends. And I'm grateful for that. So it's that shift that I'm going to talk about more. And that was the important thing from yesterday and moving forward, really. But first, to share how, how I experienced, experienced <laughs> this phrase um, for so long. It was more hearing it as, you know, looking deeply into the real form of the universe, everything reveals this mysterious truth of the Tathagata. But it's a mysterious truth. That's what I noticed. It's a mysterious truth. So you can't ever really see it. You can't ever really get a hold of it. It's right here in front of you, but it's a mysterious truth. Like, um, 
when Hakuin says, the way things are is mysterious and hard to see. It was in that vein. It's like, it's a mysterious truth. It's here in front of you. You're experiencing it, but you can't quite get a hold of it. And maybe don't do that. Don't try to get a hold of it. Just keep experiencing it and looking into it and go on and on like that into the mystery of it. Yeah. To work against a tendency to grab a hold of a truth and carry it around and apply it and try to live it. And then the, the phrases that follow felt like just an extension of that encouragement for the journey. So you're going to look into this mysterious happening, this mysterious truth of the way things are, and it's going to be difficult and not make sense at times. But keep in mind, this truth never fails. In every moment, in every place, things can't help but shine with this light. So again, encouragement to keep looking into the mystery, not grabbing a hold of it, but going deeper and more fully into it again and again. Not a bad thing at all, sustaining me for many years. Maybe, maybe that's how it hits you as well. But it was a second phrase that again, I experienced as kind of um, supporting phrases for that first one. That's where the shift happened. And I'll explain the shift in a moment, but one thing that was interesting is uh, I realized, well, I'm gonna have to change the punctuation in the second phrase because of the shift that's happened. And because what I experienced it as was this truth never fails, semicolon. In every moment, in every place, things can't help but shine with this light. <clears throat> It's like, I need to change that semicolon to a colon because that was really important to the shift. And then when I was typing up the email, you know, I typed out the words and then I look up the sutra just to make sure I have the words right. And when I do that, I realize it's already a colon. <laughs> the punctuation was already there. I experienced it as a semicolon. My mind made it a semicolon when actually it was a colon all along. My mind turned it into a supporting phrase, but it was more than that all along, I think. And I also realized I'd been soaking in that all along in the soup of this whole phrase, but that particular aspect didn't come forth as clearly to me in prior times as it did yesterday. So by realizing it's a colon and making the shift in my mind from semicolon to colon, what that second phrase is, <clears throat> is it's telling me directly what the mysterious truth is. <laughs> the mysterious truth never fails. And this is it. In every moment and every place, things can't help but shine with this light. Yeah. This mysterious truth never fails. Or this is the mysterious truth that never fails. In every moment, in every place, things can't help but shine with this light. Like, whoa, 
that was a pretty big wow. <laughs> um, this thinking that there's this mysterious truth I'll never get a hold of and not quite be able to understand is actually put out there right in front of me. Still not easy to get a hold of and understand, but I didn't need to go looking somewhere else to encounter the truth. He actually offered it directly to us, this Tori Zinji guy. And then, you know, having that experience more shifted as a result of it. <clears throat> and I noticed the workings of such a phrase and what such a phrase does upon my assumptions and um, habitual thoughts and ways of being. It's kind of a, a twofold happening I noticed going on is to hear that phrase, this is the mysterious truth that never fails. In every moment, in every place, things can't help but shine with this light. It starts to work against any notions I have about what the light is. And the tendency culturally or humanly or whatever to prefer the light and reject the dark, to privilege the light. It works against that. It starts to deconstruct those notions, which fortunately has been working <laughs> upon me or you know, in this tradition, we work on that way a lot is light and dark are just two different forms of light, yeah? Or bright and dark are two different forms of light. But that's one thing that happens is to take off any romanticized notions I have about light, yeah? Which we tend to do. Oh, the light, the bright, the goodness. We're sending love and light. We, we kind of imbue the light with that flavor, yeah? Again, we might privilege it, see it as a special thing. And that phrase helps start to wipe that away and clear it for clear it out. And it comes to be more and more that this light is pretty much neutral. <laughs> Not, neither positive nor negative, just shining. Yeah. Like a one of those phrases. That might be offered as a platitude here and there is, you know, the, the light of the sun shines on everything regardless. It doesn't have preferences. Um, so that was one thing that was worked on is the light. <clears throat> Any notion I had that it's all goodness and light, again, worked against and deconstructed. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I think there's a lot in this tradition and in Buddhism in general and Eastern thought that we in the West, we, we romanticize it and have we being collectively we. Again, in our tradition, we kind of work against such things, but in the wider culture, this kind of, oh, Buddhism, it's all beautiful. So such peacefulness and all that. It's like, no, no, no. It's much more real than that. <laughs> Um, so that was the okay the one one working again was on the light letting it return to its generous neutrality and the other working was there's no need to go looking for it somewhere else 
Yeah. In every moment and every place, things can't help but shine with it. The light can't help but shine. It's right here. So any kind of habit or tendency I have to go, I need to find it somewhere else. It's not here. You know, those habits of thought and action, ways of being. <clears throat> That's deconstructed and opened up. It's like, no, it's right here. It's always meeting me. Whatever way the light is coming and clear or fractured or muddled, whatever, it's coming right here. So I don't need to expend my energy trying to get to it, trying to find it. It's always this right here. And when I'm not expending energy trying to find it, when I allow it to be here coming forth, I get to experience it, whatever it is. And though the light itself may be neutral and just shining, what it comes through is varied, yeah. So there are the bright ah moments and there also are the devastating how in the world did we get here moments collectively and individually. I go through this all the time, the ups and downs of life, yeah. So when I'm freed from trying to find out where the light is, letting it just shine on me, again, I get to experience it as it is and, and go through whatever experience I'm going through and not trying to put a spin on it. That's what undoing the other side of the light thing does. So there's no reason to put a spin on this. It hurts. It makes no sense. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm devastated. Or I'm joyful. And things are at great peace. Whatever the experience is in the moment, I get to experience it. And furthermore, this is encouragement to not turn away from it. Yeah, whatever it may be. I can experience it directly and have the capacity to be with it, to not turn away, even if being with it means lying flat on the ground, unable to move, being paralyzed. That's a way of being with it. Or feeling it like molasses as I'm moving through my day, right? That's another way of being with it. And noticing that even as I'm moving through my day, the light's shining in different places, in different ways, and it doesn't have to divide itself up into just good, just bad moments. It's like a mixture of right now, things are feeling pretty horrible, but there's also something lovely right alongside it. And I don't have to choose. I don't have to try to rationalize or justify how that could be. I just notice, oh, here's this experience. The way things are, it's mysterious and hard to see. Or as I've said before, the way things are is mysterious and easy to see. It's this right here. But to understand it, to get a hold of it, that's another story. Yeah. So all that was working on me yesterday and <clears throat> a moment ago saying the light like molasses sticking on me. That was the experience of the news from yesterday, the event of yesterday, the lives lost, the 
lives affected, the rippling effects of it all, the violence and trauma sticking to me my, like molasses as I made my way through my day. And there was a light shining, and, but also I had other errands to run as this uh, was dawning on me and becoming more and more clear why that phrase was coming up, yeah. And I noticed, I thought it was like my first store I had to go to, I took a certain route <clears throat> that took me through neighborhoods rather than on the interstate to get there quickly. And part of that was my practical well, it's easier to turn to that parking lot if I go this way, yeah. <laughs> but because they didn't have everything at that store, I had to go to another store. And then I found myself, again, having the option to take the interstate, but preferring to take the side roads, the smaller streets. And I was like, oh, this is me wanting to move more slowly and be in touch with the community. because of what's happened to our community. Let me move more slowly through it, driving down this street and seeing the houses and the people and taking that in. So it wasn't just a convenient route. There was something of the light of that, wanting to come along to accompany the harsh light, the heavy light, the molasses light, yeah. So that was like, oh. I, I, I think I'm getting this. I think I see. I'm understanding something. <laughs> then at the other store, um, during checkout time, there's a bit of a line going through the self-checkout lane. A bit of a line and, you know, people, they could be checking out more quickly. Don't they see this line of people behind them? But that wasn't really the thought. There was just this appreciation of, well, look at us going so slowly. <laughs> look at that person taking that time to, to go through their, their groceries. In particular, <clears throat> there was this, um, this mother with a young child, a little boy, who had passed in an aisle somewhere. He was chatty and helping with this and that. And they were at the, the checkout line, and he was handing her each thing individually, and then she was scanning it. So that was taking a lot of extra time. And I was just loving that. She could have just shut him down. No, we gotta go, there's people here, but she didn't squelch her sons. Let me help, let me help. And um, yeah, I appreciated that because that was the light too coming forth in this space of the, again, the harsh, heavy molasses light. There was this bright light of mother and child doing something so simple and fundamental yeah turns out they were the ones that finished up and opened up the the register for me and as she was departing i was pulling forward she looked at me i was kind of like Ugh, made that face of sorry i just smiled like no it's great i didn't say anything but i was like no that was lovely yeah just the kind of light that was needed and welcome alongside the other light, yeah. All that settling in more deeply. 
And in the end, I don't have to switch my allegiance or my relationship to this phrase and discard how it was for me before, you know, this mysterious truth that's not able to be gotten a hold of, just keep looking, keep going and not get a hold of it, don't solidify it. That's also true. At the same time, here it is. In every moment, in every place, things cannot help but shine with it. So I can be there intimately connected to it, in touch with it, held by it, and holding it, yeah, at the same time. Not solidifying it by trying to make sense of it, make it into a formula, taking it for granted, not faking it till I make it. Somehow trusting in it. Not because I think I should, not out of habit, not out of a knee-jerk reaction of trust, but just finding, oh, I can trust this. I don't need to have strategies to move away from it or rationalize it, justify it, spin it. I can trust it coming forth just as it is, Tathagata, yeah. The one thus come, this coming forth just as it is. Which goes back to my initial experience of these phrases coming to my mind and my, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Beneath those surface reactions, there was that part of me saying, Andrew, you can trust this. Don't turn away from these phrases. Don't discard them. You can trust this. This is the light coming forth too, offering something. I'm grateful that, uh, that I have such a capacity. I'm grateful for the experience of the shifting of that relationship with this phrase and with Tori's offering and curious to see where it goes from here. This beautifully devastating light and this devastatingly beautiful light and all manner in between and beyond this, yeah. In every moment, in every place, things not able to not shine with it. Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.